You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Well, good evening, everyone. If you would, stand with me and take your Bibles, turn to James chapter 1. Jump right into it. James chapter 1. We're only going to read one verse, so you won't have to stand very long. James chapter 1. Let's drop down to verse number 19. Verse number 19. The Bible says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this evening again. Thank you for Eastside Baptist Church. Thank you for the people that are here that make up that church, Lord. I pray that the things that are done here tonight will glorify, glorify and honor you. I pray that the words that uh, you would have me say would be uplifting and honoring, challenging. Lord, help me to say the things that would fall into those categories. Help me not to say things of myself, but uh, of the Holy Spirit that is moving me, Lord. I want to present the message that you would have for your people today. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for everything you've done for us. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So when Pastor looked at me this morning and said, asked me if I was ready to preach or if I would preach, he had asked me before today. Like that wasn't the very first time uh, that he had asked, uh, because that would have scared me a lot. Um, It had made my afternoon quite different. Uh, So I did know, just in case you were wondering, he, he, he did have asked me before. So um, so if you're in the, the couples class, I'm going to have a little bit of review for you. For those of you, there's uh, a, a lesson I did a few, well, it's probably been a month or so ago, that I'm going to bring part of it back tonight and go over some of it and then jump into some new, some new material. So this will be a little bit of regurgitation for you uh, that are in the couples class, and I apologize for that, hopefully, or maybe you forgot. I know sometimes it happens to me, I forget exactly what happened last week. What did I teach on last week again? All right, I have notes, that's the only reason I remember. Uh, so just, we're going to start with a practical thought exercise here. Um, when we, obviously with the verse we're talking about, we're talking about what we speak, how listening and speaking, um, and we're going to talk about communication tonight, uh, and how to have good communication, how to communicate well, and to be a good communicator. Uh, so we have this, this uh, thought process that I have that I, that I read, um, practical exercise of there's five areas, five circles, five levels of communication. All right, so we're going to start at the outermost circle and work our way in to the center in our communication styles and abilities and levels of communication, exactly what goes into communicating. And when we talk about communicating, we're talking about talking, right, one person to another person, having a conversation, getting to know each other, investing in other people, um, and that's what we're going to talk about. So the very first level or very first outermost circle of communication is the, what I would say is like the fifth level. So we have five levels. So the fifth level, it's a circle of cliches. All right? And we all do this. We're all, we all have this. We all have this ability. We all have this skill, this level of communication skill. And that's where, that's the, how are you doing? Right? We're, everyone can do that. How's it going? How are you today? Good. What have you been up to? Real classic one-liners, small talk. Some we might call that sometimes. Um, crazy weather, right? It's really cold this week. How much snow did you get? 
right? Levels of, and it's communication. We're, we're talking, we're talking about things, um, but there's very little being expressed in as far as personal, personalness. There's nothing personal about it. There's nothing meaty there. It's just small talk. It's the cliche stuff. Um, you, nev- you don't learn anything from the other person, and you don't really give anything of your, who you are to the other person either. There's no you know, exchange of information, exchange of personal feelings or thoughts or ideas. It's just very, it's a very safe conversation. And it's what we do with people we don't know very well or people that, uh, strangers that we were, you know, maybe you're standing in line at Hy-Vee and, you know, they have to price check something that's at the opposite end of the store. So either you can be there and just ignore that person or you can make small talk. You know, you get a lot of groceries, got a party, you know, you can get things, you small talk that you get into. That's the outermost circle. We all, we all do that. Everybody does that to some extent. Moving a little bit further, we have circle number four, and that's our repetition of facts, okay? Now, as we go through these, I want you to think about where, where the, your level of communication kind of ends. Like, I'm good there. We're all good at number five. We all are good at small talk. We can all do that. Some of us, maybe we struggle even at small talk. And you'd rather just kind of stand in the corner and not talk. Okay, that's fine, but let's, that's where we're at. So as we go through these, pay attention and think about where you are. And then what I'm going to hopefully do by the end is challenge you to move a little deeper from where you are. Okay, so circle four is a repetition of facts. So it's, it's, it goes a little bit further than how's it going. It goes into, did you hear about so-and-so? Did you hear about this or that? Did you see this on the news? Um, I can't believe this happened. And you're talking about facts, talking about public known events, right? You're conveying publicly known information to each other, and you may find a little bit of mutual self-interest or mutual interest in this conversation. You may out find out that you both are interested in something that's publicly known. That's just facts. Um, but you still, you don't really give anything personal out. You don't get much personal from the other person either. Um, but it's, it's another level. It's going a little bit further than, hey, how's it going? You're talking about things. Okay, so that's the fourth level or the fourth circle. Third circle, third layer, is an expression of judgments and ideas. Okay, so this goes a little bit further. This becomes a little more personal. You express your ideas and your opinions and some decisions you may make uh, with the other person. It draws the listener a little bit closer. Because now you're talking about your personal experiences, and there go my notes, that's bad. What if I just never came back up and I just disappear under there? Um, sorry, those are thoughts that stay in my head. Um, so the third level is your expression of ideas, right? You tell the person about who you are a little bit. You, you say your ideas or your opinions on something, maybe you'll talk about the current events still, but it'll get into your thought process and your view on that specific thing. Nowadays, it might be you know, the, the, the election that's coming up. And it may be the, the fun things that are going on with the democratic debates and all the people that are there and the things that we just, you know, you may get, have some opinions, maybe, on some of those things. And you may talk to people about that and bring that a little more personal information. And you're kind of talking about yourself, you're talking about your thoughts, and get the other person to do the same thing. Um, but still, even that level is a little guarded. Because, you're, again, you're talking about public things and you're, you're giving your opinions, but you're not really getting very deep, very meaty, if you will. So then we get to the second circle, the second to last one, right? That's where, this is where it gets real. This is where you start to have real communication. Husbands and wives, this is where we should be, 
Okay? A lot of times we end even on level three, husbands and wives, but we should get to level two. That's where we talk about feelings and emotions. And every man in here just went, ugh. And coincidentally, when I did the lesson series, it was about men of God. It was, it was targeted for men. So yes, this was specifically for men. Um, but it's for all of us. Talking about our feelings and emotions, and we can discuss them frankly and honestly. This is a discussion about what's go- actually going inside here and going on inside here. Uh, your inner monologue that you have, right? I, I always talk about that, maybe because I have it a lot. I talked about science school this morning, the inner monologue. It happens to me. I talk to myself. You guys talk to yourself? You don't have to answer if you don't want to. But I talk to myself in here all the time. And whether it's trying to justify something or trying to convince myself of something, trying to you know, maybe soothe some doubts I might have, right? But I'm always talking to myself and thinking to myself. But when you have that conversation with somebody else, that next level, that's when you're bringing that out. And obviously in a husband-wife conversation, relationship, that should be one of the key factors of that relationship is that trust in the other person to give that personal, actually emotional feelings, thoughts on how things are going to that other person. This conversation, again, involves trusting the other person with your general emotions. It allows the participants to see more of who each other really are. Right? If you have an open, honest, frank discussion about how you feel about things, and we're not masking it, we're not guarding it, we're not pretending that it's something that it's not, and trying to make everything okay, but are honest about how we feel about things, that, love, that relationship where that conversation happens is usually a pretty close relationship. That's not going to be the person in line at high V. Although I've talked to people like that in line at high V that are willing to give you all your pers- their personal emotional information standing in line waiting to check out for a bag of M&Ms. That could be a little awkward and a little uncomfortable sometimes because that's usually the last time you'll ever see them. But you knew all about their emotional stress that they have. But when it comes to husband-wife relationships, right, or even parents' and children's relationships, teenagers especially, these are the kinds of conversations we want to have. Parents, these are the kind of conversations you want to have with your kids. Teenagers, these are the kind of conversations you want to keep that open with your parents. And then the last and innermost circle is the one that's most difficult to achieve um, because this one bears the heart fully with no, no ulterior motives. It is complete. The listener is trusted so much that we're free to express and even think differently than the other person, but still feel free to communicate and be honest without fear of you know, being shut off or being judged or being ridiculed. We're, able, we, we're so entrusted in the other person that we can, we can give everything that we are and everything that we think and everything that's in our heart can be communicated to that other person without fear of, of anything. And it's just, it can be talked about, and it can be brought into the open. That level of communication is very difficult and very rare. Even in spouses that have maybe been married for a long time and have a great marriage, a great communication, we all tend to have pieces of us that we keep to ourselves, that we don't even share with everyone. Some of that inner monologue that we have that you just, you were not going to tell your wife that you were thinking about that today. Not because it's wrong, but just because you don't feel comfortable doing that. And we all experience that kind of holding back sometimes. And the goal, and I think we'll see here as we get through with the, the lesson or the message tonight, is that God, God is a communicator. 
That, that's one of the basic things that he does with us as humans. And if we want to emulate God and become better Christians, become more like Christ and fulfill what he has for us to do as human beings, we've got to get good at communicating. We've got to get better at it. Because if we are going to hold back, if we're, if we're going to keep it to ourselves, as we'll see, there's a lot of reasons why that's not okay. And that's not good. So where do you fall? When you look at your relationships, if you're married, look at your marriage relationship. If you're, if you're engaged, if you have friends, if, you have, if you're a child, if you're a teenager, if you're a parent, if you're, if you're a single that has friends that are in your life or people that you influence, look at the relationships that you have in your life. What One through five, where are you? And is, are you satisfied with that? Is that where you want to be? And yeah, level four and level five, they're scary. Or one and two, the innermost circles, those are, those are scary places to be because you bear your heart to someone. You bear your soul to somebody. And it's scary to go to that place. And that may take work. But we should want to grow our relationships that we're in to where you can get to the point where you can bear your soul to people. You can talk to them. You have that relationship where you can get to that point. So think about where you are in your relationships with people in this world um, and in your life, and then think about where are you with God in that, in those levels, right? God wants to communicate with us, right? He doesn't come down in a cloud or in a pillar of fire and talk to us anymore, but we have his word, we have prayer, we have many ways of communicating with God, and he wants to communicate with us. When you pray, are you just talking about, are you level five small talk with God in prayer? Do you just talk about the basic things? Do you talk about public knowledge? How deep do you go with God? Because I think even with God, a lot of times we think we think we can hold things back as if that's something God doesn't know about us. God knows everything already, but for some reason we, we have a hard time praying about some things. We have a hard time asking God for some things, or we even have a hard time admitting our, our failures to God sometimes and confessing our sins as if he doesn't already know. So where are you at with your relationships, one through five, and where are you at with God? So that's our thought process or thought experiment just to start things off and kind of give you an indication of where we're going to go. Now we'll go back to James chapter 1, verse 19, and we're going to take a couple of the, the points here on good communication. What are some good ways to be a good communicator? That's the goal here is to become a better communicator, to talk, be able to communicate and express our feelings and emotions uh, to other people and, and to God better. So verse 19, again, he starts with, let every man be swift to hear. That's something we're not good at. As human beings, we are, there are times where we're all right at it, but a lot of times we're bad listeners. We're not swift to hear. And that's a problem, right? That's, that's a, obviously, if we're not quick to hear, the Bible tells us to be quick to hear. If we're going to learn to be good communicators, it starts with listening. It starts with hearing what the other person says. And that's not, you know, I hear you is different from listening, right? If you have teenagers or grew up with teenagers, you'll, you'll, you'll say things and they hear them. or they, They're listening to them, rather, but they may not, there's no action that comes from the things that are here, that are told. Carter, am I throw you on the bus again? You know I'm going to do it, right? <laughs> there's a lot of times with Carter, it's, and it's usually simple things, so I'm not going to throw him too far under the bus, just the front tire. Uh, he's... You know, he's sitting on the couch, it's time for bed. All right, buddy, let's brush your teeth. It's time to brush your teeth, get ready for bed. And he goes, uh-huh. And he doesn't move. Not, I mean, 
The eyebrow doesn't twitch, a pinky doesn't lift, nothing. He just sits there. Just, just, he heard it. He even acknowledged that he heard it. But nothing happens. It's like, all right, let's give him a minute. Nope, still, all right. did you hear me, Carter? Yeah, I heard you. All right, let's go then. And then he'll get up and go. So there's a difference between listening, hearing, and actually hearing what's being said. Right? And that's a silly example that we've all probably dealt with. And you know what? You probably did the same thing too, and as did I, with my father. But hearing is a big step to communication. In the Old Testament, God communicated throughout, he, th- he communicates throughout the entire Bible. And we see so many examples of God communicating to his people, and they're listening or not listening. It started with Adam and Eve. Pastor's been talking, starting in Genesis. And he hasn't even gotten to this point yet, but we all know it's coming. When they, they sin, they fall. Adam and Eve did not listen to what God said. God communicated with Adam. He said, you can have everything you want in this garden except for this one thing. Don't touch it because you'll die. As soon as you touch it, you will die. He told them. There's, I mean, he audibly told Adam. He didn't have to read it in a book. He didn't hear it. He literally heard God's voice. And what did they do? They listened, but they didn't hear. And they, they messed up. He went to, uh, to Moses. He would talk to Moses and say, okay, these are the things I want you to do. I've been reading, Carter and I still on track with our Bible reading. If you've been listening, we're in Numbers now. Okay, so we've been reading through. And you see in Numbers and Leviticus and Exodus, God goes to Moses and says, Okay, Moses, you tell the people to do this over and over and over again. He says, okay, Moses, God said this to Moses. Moses said it to the people over and over again. And, he said, and you see Moses take, follow his commands, follow God's word over and over and over again. And then the one time where Moses is supposed to do something very specific, right, to talk to the rock, Moses, he says, Moses, now speak to it. They're crying for water again, as the Israelites are known to do. Oh, poor Israelites, man, we get all the negativity they're just big complainers and big murmurers, and they're crying about water. And so God, he, Moses goes to God and says, God, they're complaining again. They need some water. And God says, all right, talk to the rock, and they'll have water come out. And Moses goes out there about ready to talk to the rock, and they're complaining and whining and just being really rowdy. And he gets so mad that he hits the rock with his, with his stick. He heard God say, speak to it, because he already hit it. But he hit it twice. He heard it. He wasn't listening, though. Right? He heard what God said, but he did obviously the opposite of what God said. Throughout the whole Old Testament that happens. Then Jesus comes to this earth in the New Testament and he talks to his disciples. He gives them, he gives them his plan. He tells them exactly what he's going to do. And, and when it's all over, when Jesus is on the cross and he died and he's buried for three days, they're like, well, that's it. It's over. I go back fishing. I'm going to go off do what I did because it's over. As if they, everything Jesus said to them. Can you imagine having Jesus with you and tell, him telling you exactly what's going to happen in the future? And when, as soon as what he said is going to happen happens, we're like, well, it's over. I guess we'll just go back doing what we did before. Just be depressed and, oh man, my life is over. This is terrible. It's like they weren't listening. They didn't hear what Jesus was telling them to do. And we sit here and go, oh, I would never do that, man. Oh, if Jesus were here with me, I would listen to every word he said. But we do it to our parents, we do it to our bosses, we do, it, we do it to our spouses. We listen, but we don't hear. So we're no different. But God's a communicator, and if we're going to live on this life, if we're going to live a life on this earth and communicate with other people, 
which is a way of life, right? You can't get by with, in life without talking to people. It's kind of essential. We have to know how to communicate. And as Christians, we should want to know and learn how to communicate in a way that pleases God and a way that honors him. We need to know, we need to learn to, to, that what we say and how we say it and how to listen is important to God. Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Uh, turn to Matthew real quick. Matthew chapter 12. Make sure you're still awake, so you have to move your Bible a little bit. Matthew chapter 12. <clears throat> Verse number 34 is where we're going to start. Matthew 12, verse 34, the Bible says, O generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. The good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. What you say and how you say it's important. Jesus is very specific about the words that you speak, the way you use your tongue, the, the way you communicate is, is vital. And every, there are no idle words. Everything you just say out of casual, the, you have to give an account of the words that we say. We have to be careful about how we speak, and it starts with listening. Many communication breakdowns in our relationships come from violating these couple of principles. Swift to hear, slow to speak. When relationship communication breaks down, when fights arise... When tiffs come, when misunderstandings and confusions that lead to frustration and lead to rocky part, parts of our relationships come, it's usually because we fail to uphold a couple of these key things, being swift to hear and slow to speak and slow to wrath. Naturally, we tend to be slow to listen and quick to speak. We're very quick to offer our opinions often. Um, we're very quick to speak what's on our mind. But again, this will lead to confusion, frustration, and selfishness, and eventually that leads to that wrath and that anger. Proverbs 18.13 says, He that answereth a matter before he heareth it is a folly and shame unto him. You ever been in a conversation talking to somebody, and it's usually somebody you know fairly well. You're probably at least level three, if not level two on the communication scale. And you're speaking, you're talking about something, and you're, they're speaking, right? Which means you're supposed to be listening, and a lot of times we're thinking about Okay, I know what they're about to say. I'm, I'm assuming and presuming to know what they're going to say, so I'm going to start preparing my answer to what I think they're about to say. And we waste, we, we actually, by doing that, we don't even hear what they're actually saying. That's when you get the, the husband and wife or the wife's talking, and this is, you know, they, they laugh and make jokes at these things and because they're real sometimes. But the husband will be sitting there reading a paper, watching TV, and the wife will be telling them all these things, and you get a lot of uh-huhs, oh yeah, uh-huhs. And then she'll just randomly say something that's way off the wall, and she'll still get a, uh-huh, oh yeah, right. Proving that he's not actually hearing and listening to anything that's being said. And we laugh at that, and that's funny, and that does happen sometimes, but it's, it's not funny. It's very sad, and it's very embarrassing for the man that looks like a buffoon for not listening to his wife. Okay, so God expects us to be listeners, and if you, you can't answer a matter, you can't respond and have a level one communication, that deep communication, if you don't learn how to listen. If you're preparing your statements as you hear the other person speaking. Um, listening skills is an area that we all need to improve on. Right? We, we teach our kids how to, 
how to read. We keep, teach them how to write. We teach them how to speak. We don't put a whole lot of effort into teaching them how to listen. Now, with discipline, we'll teach them how to listen and make sure they do the right thing. But do we ever take, like, the effort we put into teaching them the alphabet, teaching them to write their name? Do we put that amount of effort into teaching them how to listen to people, how to empathize with what somebody is saying, how to care about what somebody is saying? And a lot of times when we get into conversations, maybe it's not with someone you really are that close with. You might straight up just not care what they're saying. And so you're already looking for a way to get out of the conversation, looking for a way to, I've got, okay, there's someone over there, I'm going to use them as a way to get out of this, uh-huh, uh-huh. All right, they're calling, yep, oh, yeah, okay, yep, yep. And you just looking for ways, not so a little dramatic and extensive, but we need to learn to listen. We need to learn to hear what people say. We have to overcome our lack of training and focus on others. Philippians 2, 3, esteeming others above ourselves. Right? When we're so enthralled with what we have to say and what our plan is and our answer is, or getting away from the conversation, we're making ourselves number one. Making me what I think, obviously the correct answer to your problem, or what you're saying, I have a better solution. And it's even more important than what you even have to finish saying, because I've got the answer for you. Or I've got another, another, another topic to discuss that's more important and more interesting than what you have to discuss. And we'll, we never do this audibly, right? That never happens in, in an audible conversation because that definitely will lead to, um, if it's, especially if it's a husband and wife, that's going to lead to some problems, right? If you say those things out loud, but it happens here. And we may not even consciously know that that's what we're doing, but we do it. And we do it probably more often than we'd like to admit to ourselves. But that's a very selfish view of communication. It's a very selfish way of looking at how we communicate with God's creation. How we communicate with, if it's your spouse, the person that's supposed to be your best friend. The person closest to you on this earth is your spouse if you're married. There's no other person as close to you as your spouse. And if that's how we treat communication with that relationship, that's definitely not the way God has and expects us to do that. The Bible says in Proverbs 18:2, A fool hath no delight in understanding but that his heart may discover itself. A fool does not care to understand what other people say, what other people think, what other people feel. A fool just cares about what he thinks, what his heart wants, what his desire is. And we fall, I've done, we fall into that. We do that. We are fools sometimes, or at least I have been. In conversations I've had, I have been a fool and not wanted to understand, not even care to invest the, the knowledge and the time it takes to understand what they're saying and feeling and caring about, I only care about what I have to say, what's, what's on my mind. But the Bible says that's what a fool does. So there are a lot of things we can do practically to, to be better listeners. Eye contact's a very good one in a non-creepy way, okay? Just a little aside, no. Uh-huh. Mm, no. You don't want creepy eye contact. You want sincere, interested eye contact. If you're looking at someone in the eye, you're, you're going to pay attention to them. You have to pay attention to them. So now when you, we leave tonight and you go to talk to people, make sure everyone looks at each other right in the eyes. Just makes it really intense. But eye contact's really important. When it comes to listening, make eye contact. Ask questions. Be interested. Not always interesting. Don't worry about being interesting, but be worried about being interested. Ask questions. 
when listen to what they're saying, when make eye contact, listen to what they're saying, and ask questions about what they're talking about. Ask questions about what they obviously mean something to them. Dive deeper into those personal things of theirs that they, they are trying to talk to you about. Get into that. Find out who they are. And it can, this can apply to visitors that come, right? The, obviously, we should be the best listeners when visitors come, especially for the first time here. We should want them to feel welcome and make them feel like they're important. Not, here, let me tell you about, I've been here at this church for so this many years, and I've done this and this, and oh man, it's just great. You're going to love it here. I, just, I do so many awesome things. No, what, what do you do? Where are you from? You know, s- simple communication things, but listening is important. Um, acknowledge what they say. Acknowledge their feelings, the things they express. It. Acknowledge what they're saying. Be a swift listener. That's step number one. That's point number one. Point number two. Wow, we're just getting going. Look at that. Point number two, slow to speak. It's not going to be that long, I promise. Um, slow to speak. David asked God to help him many times with his communication. I'll give you just two examples. Psalm 141.3, David says here, he says, Set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. Keep the door of my lips. He's a king, right? He's, I'm sure he communicated often with, with, with people from his kingdom, with foreign dignitaries. I'm sure he was engaged in communication a lot of his day. And he asked God to set a watch before him, keep the door of his lips, making sure that what came out of his mouth kind of went through the Holy Spirit first, right? There was a filter there. You know those people that have no filter? It comes here, it comes out, and a lot of times it's like, whew, those are inner, inner thoughts, buddy, inner thoughts, not outward things. As Christians, we're supposed to be swift to hear and slow to speak. David gives a good example of thinking about what we say. Psalm nineteen fourteen. you probably know this, let the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. What we say, the words that we speak should be guarded, should be intentional, right? Should be on purpose. They shouldn't just be, sorry, diarrhea of the mouth. Sorry, my wife's like, oh my goodness, he said that. You know anybody like that? They're just bleh. There's no thought process. Words just spew from their mouth. As communicators, as good communicators, we should... Say things intentionally. We should say things on purpose. It should never just be a spewing of words. There should be some reasons behind that. Words have power. Words have power to shape. Words have power to build. Words have power to destroy. You are individually the culmination of everything anyone's ever said about you and to you has made you who you are. Now you have a choice in how to take what people say, but you're, you're, you're a... The, the culmination of how your parents treated you, what they said to you, the encouragements and the corrections and the disciplines that you've been given, your bosses, your, your friends, your people in your life that have spoken to you, you are who you are because of all the things that have been said to you, about you. Those words have, have contributed to who you are. And when you realize the words you say to people, do that to people as well. The way you talk to your kids as you're rearing them, the things that you say to them, make them who they are. That is their world. What mom and dad say, the way that life is for them is what mom and dad set up. The world is that home and that house. That's what your kids know the world to be. And not all is from what you say and how you communicate with them. That's a big deal. 
That's a really big deal. And they'll grow up and they'll move out of the house and their view of the world will be based on how mom and dad set that world up to be by what they said to them. That's a lot of responsibility. That's a big deal. If we thought that way about how we speak, we would think, we would be careful about what we say sometimes. We wouldn't spout off in anger. We wouldn't lose our temper and say things that are hurtful. We wouldn't spew things that aren't constructive and helpful. We'd be careful about what we say. Words are powerful. Words can do a lot. Job 19.2, Job says, How long will ye vex my soul and break me in pieces with words? He was talking to his friends. His best friends. The three people that stood by him in his whole life. And he, this, is, this is what they're saying to him is affecting him. How long will you vex? These are powerful words. How long will you vex my soul and break me in pieces with words? You ever had somebody do that to you? You ever had somebody break you into pieces with the words that they say? Probably have. If you've been alive for any amount of time, you've probably had someone treat you in a manner that just broke you and vexed your soul by the words they said. It's powerful, isn't it? It can be hurtful. It can be hard to overcome. Now think about what you say. Think about how you communicate with people. Think about the things that you've said. Hopefully, God forbid, none of us have ever broken someone's soul into pieces by the words that we have said. But we might have. We might have had a moment of weakness where we used our words to cut down instead of build up. Be careful about what you say. Be careful the effects of your communication to your spouse, to your siblings, your children, your parents, your friends, to strangers. It means something. The words you say mean something. The book of Proverbs says a lot about the wisdom of those that are slow to speak or the wisdom of those that are holding their tongue, that are careful about what they say. Think about what comes out of your mouth. Going back to Psalm 19, is what comes out of your mouth what you say acceptable in his sight? And this obviously, this can apply to the basis of just cursing and bad words, bad language, and we would probably use that with somebody that struggles with bad language and a way, a reason to not talk that way. But that's very simple thinking of it, and it definitely applies to that. But the words that we say, the way you speak to your spouse, the way you talk to your husband, the way you talk to your wife, the way you talk to your, your, your kids, the way you talk to your parents, the way you talk to your friends, the things that you say, are those things pleasing to God? Do they please him? Or would they be unpleasing to God? And if we thought about the words that we say and how we communicate to people in that aspect of if it's pleasing to God, it might change the way we talk sometimes. It may change our communication styles. So quick to hear, slow to speak, and then lastly, communication is a big deal because communication is the Great Commission. God has commanded us to communicate with as many people as we possibly can about what he has done for us. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, we won't read it, but it's to go ye therefore. Preach, teach, baptize. We're supposed to go and tell everybody we can about what Jesus did for us and what he did for them. And if we're not good communicators, if we struggle at communication, it's going to be a little difficult to fulfill that command. It's not just a suggestion. It's not just a, hey, if you get time. Hey, if you think of it while you're out. But God says, Go. Here, it's, a, it's a direct command to go ye therefore. 
And if we struggle with how we communicate, if we're so far behind our communication that we just, we're at the fifth level, the outermost circle with everyone, how are you going to get to someone's heart? How are you going to get to who they are and show them what Jesus did for them and, pre- and, and present the gospel in that way? It's, it's going to take getting better at communicating. I fail in my communication often. You, maybe it's just me. You ever stuck your foot in your mouth? You ever said something, as soon as you said it, you're just like, oh, that was really dumb. Hopefully no one caught it. A lot of times they do. You ever call someone by the wrong name? Oh, that's embarrassing. I, I did that recently. Oh, man. It's, it's, and I knew the right name, said the wrong name, and they're just like, that's not my name. It's like, nope, it is not your name. Sorry about that. And I just felt, you feel embarrassed. You feel dumb. You feel awkward. I was, you know, speaking can be difficult. Communication is, takes effort. It's not, most people aren't just naturally gifted when it comes to communicating. Um, you ever avoid people because you just don't want to get into conversation because you don't know what you're going to say, you don't know what to say, you don't know what to talk about. So when you see them over there, it's like, I'll go this way instead. Not because you don't like them. Not because, you, you know, you just don't want to hear them talk. just like, I don't know what to talk about, so I'm going to go this way. We all have those moments. We probably have all had those times where maybe our timidness comes over us and we don't want to embarrass ourselves or we don't want to make ourselves look dumb, so we don't want to engage in those conversations. And I'll just, I mean, personally, growing up, I hated public speaking. Hated it. And you know, like every preacher, I've heard every preacher says that they hate it, and then they're good at preaching. And I'm not good at preaching. I'm saying I hated public speaking to the point where, I mean, I had a speech class at SDSU. I, I dreaded speech class. Dreaded speech class. I hated it. It made my stomach turn in knots. I couldn't eat. I mean, I was just a nervous wreck. And then I decided to go to Bible college and take pastoral theology, where they teach you to preach. And I went to preaching class, and I hated preaching class. I dreaded preaching class, going to preaching class, because they would teach you how to do outlines. I could do that. I could write an outline, no problem. They teach you how to do all those things and do your research and have all your notes, great. And then they say, okay, now come up and preach it. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. And I was terrified and scared, and it was like the, the worst two-minute lesson sermon you've ever heard in your life, and I'm so glad they didn't record them, because wow, would that be embarrassing. I hated it. I dreaded it. Did not want to do it. Hated public speaking. But I went to Bible college because I felt like there was something God wanted me to do. Right? At least, if anything, to get the training that they gave me. And now, I've been blessed with opportunities to speak and to teach a class. Are you kidding me? Of other adults? I'm not teaching kids, right, that I know infinitely more than they do because they're children. No, I'm teaching adults that have experiences like I have and some probably have experienced more things than I have and know things and are probably better Christians than me and I have to get up and speak to them? That's like 20-year-old me, 21-year-old me is like, no, we aren't going to do that. But God has given me opportunities and by his grace, I've, I've become more comfortable speaking. Hopefully that's evident. Speaking in public, it's not as nerve-wracking as it once used to be. But it was. I mean, I was timid. I was not an outgoing person. I hated that, that conversation and talking to people I didn't know. But God has allowed me to learn a lot of things from people. God has shown me a lot of things that on my own I never would have learned and have brought me to a place where he gives me opportunities like this. 
and I'm blessed and honored, and I get to preach God's word, and I get to teach a class, and, and just the opportunities that he gives me. Now, if I would have said no to all those things because of my fear of public speaking, would I be doing everything God wants me to do? If God gave me the opportunities, and this, you know, preaching, if pastor asked me, would you like to preach, and I was scared to do it, and I said, no, uh-uh, I can't do it. Nope, I, I don't think so. It's, I, it's not comfortable with it. I miss opportunities that God has for me. And I'm just talking about me specifically. That's, that's where God has led me in my communication, and I'm definitely not where I need to be. Like I said, I call people by the wrong names. I've got a ways to go. But if I want to take advantage of what God has for me in my life, right? We, we're here for a short amount of time compared to eternity, right? We have a limited amount of time to communicate with people, to build relationships in our lives, whether they be spouses or friends, strangers that can become friends. I have, we have a limited amount of time. And if we're held back in our level of communication by our fear, or by our, our trepidation on what may be or saying the wrong thing, we hold ourselves back and keep ourselves from relationships that can be amazing, great relationships on earth. It, it keeps our marriages from being as good as they should be and as strong as they can be. If you want a strong relationship, you've got to communicate. You have to. You can't have the second or first outermost circle and have a good marriage. It's just, you just can't. It's impossible. It, you will have issues. You will fight issues your whole marriage. You can't have good friendships. You can't, I mean, think of all the people then here that you know, and there's different levels of relationships in here. You have your close, people you're closer to, people that are maybe a little bit just acquaintances. We should strive to grow those relationships by communicating. And if everybody worked on that and didn't rely on the other person to work on that, our communications would become, our communication would become better. Our relationships would become stronger. And when we have a strong relationships with people in this church, the devil can't stop us from doing things. Then we want to go out as a strong group and tell others about him. We can go out to this neighborhood. I mean, I don't know how many times we've knocked on doors in this neighborhood. I bet it's been a lot. But there aren't enough people that live out here literally walking distance from church sitting in these pews. There aren't. There won't, there never will be. But if we're strong and we have good communication skills and we're working on communicating and building those relationships, we will have no problem going out into these neighborhoods and further ones out and telling people about this church, telling people about the other people here, and telling people about God and a relationship with Jesus that they can have and bring them in and, and then they work on their communication. You see, it just it builds upon itself. And when a church does that, when individuals start doing that and they start working on their communication skills and building that, man, there's no limit to the potential that we have of things to do here. And for me, that's exciting. And for me, that's challenging because it, it, it challenges me to do better. It challenges me to not be afraid, to not be timid, to, be, to try to be the one that is interested and not just interesting. And go out and show people I'm interested in them enough to tell them what Jesus has done for them. Interested in not just their daily life, but their eternal soul. Forever. So if we're prepared to be people who communicate what Jesus did to those around us, we must learn to grow our communication skills, to develop them, to overcome our fears, our personal idiosyncrasies, and tell others about him. We have to overcome those things, continually 
We need to work on our communication skills. Become a better communicator. Every day, we should be better at communicating than we were before. And you can start with the relationship in your life. The one relationship in your life right now that maybe the communication is not where it should be, start right there. You personally work on that relationship by learning how to communicate better and get deeper into that circle. Once you start developing that habit and developing that skill, then you can start working on people around you and other relationships in your life. So as I wrap up, learn to be swift to listen. Learn what to say and when to say it. And then always strive to be a better communicator so you can share the gospel with those around you. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.